Live from the Pathway Studios in Johnston Proper, you are Live from the Path. Live from the path. I'm a working mate. Oh, yes, I'm from the pathway studio there, Justin. Yeah. You ever tried to start a slow clap at a room of three dudes? It's like nope. a live studio audience Did here. That work. Hey, man, I, I realized, so I was listening to, um, I, we were on a car trip this week. Actually, we're heading to, uh, heading to Booba's wedding with my two oldest kids. And uh, I was back listening to some um, episodes of Live from the Path. Every once in a while, I like to just check out and say, hey, man, how did it go? Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, I realized that one of the things I'll do is is right after the show starts, I'm like, "Hey, man, thanks for thanks for hanging out with us, or thanks for hanging in there." I mean, you had to bail 15 seconds in, like you had to hate the opening song, and that's the most redeeming thing we have going for us, right? Yeah. To have stayed in. So here's You're still the here. That's right. So <laughs> I'm going to tell you this: uh, you no longer will get my thanks for for hanging in for roughly 45 seconds. I'm going to raise the bar on your life. You have to do better than that. To get my appreciation. I always thought you were being like, you haven't listened to the show last week and here you're back again. There's a more yeah, broader, bigger for, context of, yeah, thanks for we're all hanging out together on the light uh, of the path. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I suppose. That's how I took it. After oh. this interchange, you've come off a little jerky. No, I'm just say. saying, uh, uh, it is no credit to you to evade. Like, you, you, people accidentally microwave things longer than the opening of the show, of which I provide a thanks. You know, I, do you guys stop the microwave at like one second so it doesn't beep at you? I've done that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what kind of accomplishment that gives a guy, but like, I, it's, it, I mean, it's still. It's, I'll show you. It's pretty consistent. You won't like, tell me when the end. Yeah, don't beep at me. I got. This I'll tell covered. you when it's over. And it makes a small beep when you hit the stop button. Yeah, right. You know, so I'm not really sure. I don't know. The psyche of a man is just—it's uh, beyond recognition to me. <laughs> this is what happens. Like we don't do major things anymore, and so we win minor battles against the microwave. That's also true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're right. That's awesome because like women can't figure this out, but neither can we. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. I do. Oh, I do half the stuff I do. Yeah. I don't know why I will get on a lawnmower to go check the mail. It literally <laughs> is faster for me to walk over there and do it, but I thought, I want to walk over and do it, so yeah. I'll go to the garage the opposite direction, fire up the mower, and drive <laughs> it out there <laughs> because I have one. Yeah, can you can. Yeah. Here's what we got going on the show this week. Yeah. So uh, we, there was an article written by a guy. What, what was it, Nine Marks? Yeah, I sent, I sent to you. It's, uh, hold on. I won't be able to pull it up. You, I told you, the internet doesn't cooperate with me. It's by Colton Corter. Yeah, so there was a guy who wrote, he basically said he went through and listened to... Colton Corter. Uh, f- what, what did he say, four hours of sermons from 18 like, hours of sermons in America's biggest churches. Okay, yeah, so, and basically to see, you know, what, what are the takeaways of what's being taught in America's biggest churches. Uh, I, I saw a number of folks, uh, sounds like he got a lot of negative negative uh, feedback from that. Of course. Uh, um. There's a group of pastors that that uh, Dan and I are part of. Uh, they didn't particularly enjoy this article either. Um, I actually thought I actually now again coming from a different context. I, I suppose maybe, but like um, I, I thought there was some value in it. Um, so anyway, maybe we'll touch on the four things that he took away. I think it'll be interesting. Uh, second of all, I, I in the aforementioned trip, I was reminded of um, we were talking about humility last week, and. Uh, I was listening to some podcasts, and I, almost every one of the the episodes on the, the stuff I listened to kept hammering home, "Hey man, like the things that you feel like you trust in, especially when it comes to like human behavior, human memory, and things like that." Like 
Boy, you just got to be careful on how on, on what you stand on. Um, and so I'll give you some examples from that. Um, it was just it was just a reinforcement and a good reminder to me that like um, you're dealing with very fallible humanity here. Even in even in the things that we are like so super confident in, we're probably not shouldn't be as confident in those as we believe ourselves to be. Um, and and the problem is 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 the roundup of that conversation. Unfortunately, is me trying to fight with like I feel like I'm constantly and maybe it's the show in general is trying to constantly pull into pe- pull people into a, maybe a sense a, a greater sense of uncertainty in our humanity while also pressing us for greater certainty in 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 God's providence in 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 the nature of who God is and our trustworthiness in him um and it's 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 not intentionally trying to put it so that you look at the world in such an ambiguous terms that you're like I don't even know what to do anymore like I'm it's not what I'm going for but like if if we suffer as a humanity it is way more so out of arrogance than it is out of wonder and and, and humility and so I think that's why that theme keeps coming up for me um and the more I learn about about kind of the frailty of the of the human mechanisms um the more at least introduces caution mm-hmm. the the notion of what we believe to be certain we just we should be careful with and that starts to then cause us to guard our words it causes us to guard our actions a little bit to slow down um because our our notion of human certainty just isn't um probably isn't tenable so anyway i got some examples from there that i thought were pretty good um and then we have uh and then we got some advice on your life in the past yeah yeah i think we do i think that's everything we got Okay, so Mike, let's let's start with this. Uh, let's start with this article. All right, do you do you want me to read the whole? Article? I think it's pretty long winded. Uh, the, the nature is, and I, I can't remember how we measured the top guys, but like, okay, I'll give you the gist of it. Okay, it says uh, the article says, "What's the preaching like in America's biggest churches?" Question mark. That's the question I set out to answer. I listened to four sermons each from the country's nine biggest evangelical churches, and then he lists the churches. Okay. Uh, with an average sermon length of about 30 minutes, these reflections are based on approximately 18 total hours of material, or uh, two Sundays from bin. Okay, all as, right. <laughs> as, I, as, I, as I listened, I, nobody gets that joke because I'm the only one that goes to church with bin. But <laughs> uh, as I listened, I found several common threads. Uh, these threads will make up most of this article, A State of American Preaching. If you will, most of it will be negative. But first, what positive feedback would I give these sermons? Okay, let's have it. Several pastors mentioned in the importance of diversity in the church. Uh, Chris Hodges made sure to let his congregation know that God values unity amid diversity in his sermon, No Pain, No Gain. He highlighted the work of Martin Luther King Jr. and called for their church to cultivate unity and diversity across racial ethic lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, during his first sermon in the series of blah, 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 uh, so-and-so told his hearers not to put their hope in any party, presumably to have them set their eyes on God instead. Here, their emphasis on the goodness of unity amidst diversity should challenge us. As some in my theological circles warn against speaking a word about race and ethnicity, I was proud uh, that this fella and those who like him, who are like him mentioned God's good design for a diverse people. That's it. We'll continue. But uh, that's a given, and never should not have been a given. Yeah. And so anybody who doesn't think that was a given... It feels odd that we have to speak to it. Yeah, I mean, I suppose the question is, is like, is it odd that this dude felt like this is a surprise for yeah, that I, to be happening? Do I have to remind you that God created all, all ethnicities and races <laughs> and mentions no barriers or, or, or type of segregation in any part of his story whatsoever? It will all be around the throne. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yeah, <laughs> and so uh, I mean, agreed that I suppose that you that that you have to address issues that are going on in our world, but like as 
Christians, uh, this should have never even occurred to you that it was an issue in the first place. <laughs> yeah, and then someone would warn you against speaking about it. Yeah. I don't know what his theology is. I don't think you should touch like, on this. What? Well, yeah, why? Why not? Yeah, I mean, here's I the thing. It's one of those crazy things where it's like God didn't speak to it. It's because God didn't speak against it. He didn't have to speak to it because he didn't speak to it at all in the thing that you're coming up with, right? When people say, like, we have, we have uh, you know, you probably shouldn't bring up uh, racial disparity or discrimination or whatever because God doesn't specifically speak to it. You're right. God doesn't mention it ever doing any type of racial disparity or, or ethnic uh, separations at all. And so, like, the fact that you've caused it, uh, God didn't have to speak to it because it wasn't part of God's design. He had no intention of it. So I, it's weird. That's weird to me. Yeah, I guess that was my question: is that like, is it, um, is the, the the surprise that that's happening something that has to do with this the, the, the writer's background, this dude's background, and like actually this isn't a problem, or is it really something where you should be surprised and be like, well, I'm glad they did that. It does feel weird that like I guess I haven't thought about it because I I don't listen to a lot of topical sermons I guess, but like to the point where someone has to go look, we're going to have to address this because people don't know where God stands on this. Right, like yeah. that would be the reason to have to talk about it at a Sunday morning gathering of agreed upon Christians, uh, you know. And so, like, listen, uh, just in case you're wavering a little or you're on the other side of this thing, God supports none of this. So, I mean, you'd only have like a two minute sermon. <laughs> I can't even give you Bible verses because God doesn't address it because it it's not an issue. Right, like, for I mean, him. You're, you have you have instances of like their stories, like like mm-hmm. Acts, yeah. Uh, yeah. Of, of where they're 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 dealing with like different treatment of people. Um, I mean, but you also have even within the Old Testament, like you've you've got God's people's interaction and God using non-Israelites, and so, like so it's like it's very it's very clear. Like you could put a, a, a bunch of stuff together of of well, seeing Samaritans, God not example, care about right? things. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. All right. Anyway, so, I'm sorry. We'll we, got, we got sidetracked a little bit. Yep, here. Yep, yep, yep. Once again, I, it, it's only a tick in the box to note that like uh, we're devoting time to it. Like as as we're spreading the gospel and talking to people about God and who He is and 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 Jesus, uh, we're spending time on this. Yeah. So just something to keep in the back of your mind. Uh, we're we're going to skip names because I just think it's easier. Uh, Pastor C talked a lot about their philosophy of ministry, and while I certainly would not agree with everything that this church does, I found a few things he said to be very helpful. In one of his sermons, Pastor C said church membership is a biblical imperative and that we enter the local church through baptism. In language reminiscent of Bobby Jameson's, uh, Pastor C calls baptism the wedding ring of the church. It's how the Christian pledges themselves to the visible body of Christ. Hmm. Let me. Let me. Just, you want to chew on that for a minute, or do you want to speak it? <laughs> uh, no, I guess what I'm like. Uh, I'm really glad to hear someone talk about church membership. Like I, p- people that are overly, f- it just seems like an imbalance focused on like church polity. Mm-hmm. Like, oh man, I really hope he speaks to the importance of membership. Like, what is is this your crank? Was it? What is, <laughs> what is the deal? <laughs> is this what you care about? <laughs> like, I mean, I here's the thing. I get it. I I, I get it. Uh. And um, it's I, I don't know. I've never I, I, maybe it's just me. I've never approached something like someone going to teach something where I'm like, uh, boy, I I hope it speaks to the structure of something. I'm like I I want are they going to teach about Jesus here? Like, am I going to hear about Yahweh today? Uh, am I going to learn more about him and his character? Understand what that means for me and my and my work? Uh, and I get I get that that expresses itself somewhere. I just it just seems like a weird thing to get. Turn a light bulb on and be like, "Boy, I'm really glad they brought that up." Yeah, yeah. Maybe go. I mean, go to the class. Certainly Thursday night they talk about this. Oh, go sure. to the Thursday seems, night class. That's right. It seems like an individual conversation, or like even have a congregation. You know, as as the guy that's leading uh, me, you know, he says, "Look, we we do have criteria for for membership, 
just know that we have it. We've prayed over it. It's in place. If you got questions about it, come let me know, and we'll talk about it. Um, but, like, it does seem, once again, it's something that we're talking about on a Sunday morning. Eh, maybe it's just because it's an open-handed item for me. Like, n- not whether you should be, a, like, a church member, but, like, some of the nuances of how people decide who is and how they do it with their church, whether they got to transfer from another church or whatever. It's an open-handed item to me, and you've got, especially if you're huh, you're only doing 30 minutes, not 18 hours. <laughs> uh, I mean, you've got a limited time here. Right, right. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, where, let's see. It's how the Christian pledges themselves to the visible body of Christ. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, Pastor C, excuse our twin cultures of individualism and consumerism when he states simply that we can't be the church on our own. We need other Christians. Well, I mean, you best throw down the membership items and let them in. (laughs) Uh, Were I sitting across the table from these pastors, these are the kinds of encouragements I would offer. I would also offer the following pieces of constructive criticism. Was bang. Here's where it comes. Here it comes. Number one, the gospel at best is the gospel at best assumed most of the time it's entirely absent. Let me begin with the most important observation. In 36 sermons, the good news of Jesus Christ's life, death, and resurrection was unclear 36 times. Often some or all of these facets of the Christian gospel were left out. Quotes, no gospel, became a common note. Here's an answer to the question you're probably asking. What content is necessary in order to communicate the gospel? That's a good question. We're not going to look at it. Uh, (laughs) I don't mean to say various elements of the gospel weren't occasionally mentioned. There were. A dude mentions in, in his sermon series that faith is believing in what Jesus did for you, carrying the cross, rising from the dead, etc. But none of these elements are articulated or explained. It's unclear exactly why we need Jesus to do anything for us. Furthermore, it's unclear exactly what he did by doing the things that he mentioned. Isolated phrases here and there without much reference to how the Bible puts them together was the norm. Uh, I'm going to stop it right there. Uh, it depends on what your view of what a Sunday morning service <coughs> is supposed to be doing. Yeah, who the who's the audience? Yeah, right. Yeah. Like if it is if it is a body of believers, and let's just stop it there. A people who know Jesus, I find it a waste of time to really it, it's it, it bounces off my ears anymore. Right, like uh, if you start to overuse long flowing descriptions of Jesus, uh, it seems to me like you're filling and don't know. Mm-hmm. Right, and so like I already believe that that's what a, my group of people is doing together on a Sunday morning. Um, it's probably unnecessary to to rehash out every time. Now it's it's not. I don't know if you get to leave it out completely. It's the whole reason we're meeting, and so like obviously we're going to talk about it. Um, but it, but I don't know that you have to go through every sinew of why it is necessary. Now, if you believe that the Sunday morning service is to help introduce the gospel to random visitors that came in, then you're right. You 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 probably should be chewing through it. Yeah, and I might say in their context, and this, um, like, if you're a lot of the churches, and I recognize a lot of the names that are in the list, like, they got the size they were because they otherwise set up a situation that that was a comfortable place for new people to come check it out. That's what they were aiming for. Correct. And to the extent you are aiming for that, then I think you do risk doing those folks a a disservice um, by having not articulated that in some means or now they probably have literature around i'm sure like i'm sure there's things in the bulletin and <laughs> right and typically on a sunday morning in these type of churches they they have uh, really mastered the their they have a a method you know it's like yeah the purpose of the sermon is to to pique some interest or speak to the common believers but if it piques your interest, they, they send you somewhere. There's a next step. Mm-hmm. Hey, go to that room over there, and they'll tell you more, and they get you in the pipeline, and that's where all the gospel and, and all that happens usually is just not on Sunday morning. It's it's Yeah, and, and, and I, I don't know it's if It's like I, a way to get into a vacation club. 
Well, kind of, right? Like, I mean, it's just organizing the thoughts to say, look, the big room is for milk. We hand out milk here, mm-hmm. right? Like, the meat is in the other rooms, or, or or you can talk to that guy about the meat. So it just depends on what you think the goal of a Sunday morning meeting is. And I don't have a pro or negative or thought or whatever you want to do. Like, I think God uses all that stuff, and so I don't actually can't tell you what it's supposed to be. I mean, here's... here's Ben does. Yeah, I do. I do. Here's the thing. This goes Maybe this goes back to that conversation about the fallibility of humanity. The one thing that I know for certain that changes the world is the good news. Like, that's the truth. The one thing I know for certain is teaching Bible. That's what I know actually makes a difference. Everything else is floating around on my ideas. Hey, hey, is this a good thing that'll hit people? Is this things that people are ta- thinking about? Um, are these things that attract new people into this thing? And it's, some of this is just go, like this is getting more personal than maybe it has to, but like it just plays my weakness. I'm not very good at anticipating what people like. <laughs> like I'm just not very good at. Um, but 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 even even in times where I've thought through and thought like okay, like this can be learned. And certainly, there's people who study these things, and there's people who are very good at this that you can kind of kind of mimic and stuff. I, every time it comes back to me that like um like it, it it's God's good word uh that communicates good news and that's what changes the world and like it's what you win people with is what you win them to and and I do think there is a risk and like a guy with 10,000 people's church will laugh at my 50 for having said this but like I think there is a risk um for somehow not giving people a clear articulation of what it is that you're inviting them into. And I don't, like, they can't understand the full Bible at once. But here's the thing. Uh, to, like, I'll be teaching the Bible to this same group of people that I'm around probably for the next 50 years, and I might not even get all the way through it. So, like, I get it. But, like, I, I intend to give it every go <laughs> that I can. And I, so I, I think that this, I, I just call it as a risk in that context. Like, if you're if you're designed to try to bring people in, um, there are there are personality types that won't take the ne- that next step. It's not because the program isn't good. It's not because you don't teach a great version um, and clear understanding of what the gospel is. But there's personality types that won't ever show up to the second room. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yep. And so um, it's, it, I, I'm sure some of these guys are totally familiar with the risk. Like, here's the thing: is we do guys a disservice who are in organizations like this to think that they've never thought of this and that they needed a guy who's got 50 guys in a house church who's going, hey. You realize that teaching the gospel changes the world. Like that's not the problem. I get it, mm-hmm. but like I, I think um, it could be a, just this very simple view of the world. But like I, to, to, for those numbers to be true for thirty six hours, like thirty six sermons or whatever, um, if you've not had a clear articulation of the gospel for for groups that are pretty good at bringing in new people in any of those sermons, like yeah, I mean yeah. it's a caution. Well, the the larger the church, the more. The purpose of the Sunday morning experience is to bring in more people. Yeah, it's all geared toward that. And so, and even going back to the sermon planning, uh, you're trained to to develop sermon series that that hit felt needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, boy, I wish I could raise my children. So look, they'll look at demographics and say, what are people asking out there? Yeah, I don't know how to raise my kids. Well, blah, blah, there's children's series coming up. You yep. know. Um, and it's all about how to improve as a person. It's not necessarily bad stuff. It's biblical right. stuff, but it's not. It's not gospel. Yeah. Uh, the, so they're they're hoping to get you in that pipeline to 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 do gospel. But it's also attracting people who are already Christians that they're they want a better show. Yeah. Uh, they want a better environment, more programs. And oftentimes, a lot of the people coming in these bigger churches are from smaller churches. Yeah. Um. And. and 
Do you think that they're not? This is actually going to lead right to my exact question. Do you think that like they wouldn't see the numbers they get if they did not address those issues in the way that you're talking about the felt needs thing? Right. 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 Probably not. I mean, because a lot of people are, especially in the beginning, very surfacey. Like, I'm just trying to figure out how to get, figure out how to have a better marriage, and there's a marriage series, so I'll go to that. And that's not a bad. Actually, it's not bad. Yeah. Uh, it, it's. But that's why they'll send mailers out because hey, this it's their big family and marriage series. That's the thing is, does it feel wonky because it's it's not organic? Because like that's exactly the way that I I I, I live the gospel at my house because I I want people to notice the difference in the way that my marriage works, the way that my kids are raised, the way that I conduct myself, and then have them go, well, what is that? That's that's exactly how we leave how we live the gospel out. Which mm-hmm. I think is yeah, and that's the thing is that this is where this this is is difficult for me is because to, to Dan's point, like. I don't disagree with any of that. I, I, I like. Right. I, I think it, it does matter. It does show in your life. But like, um, it, there was, so here's here's we've we've had um, we've been trying to help um, a couple younger folks out who just had a baby and they're trying to transition to different parts of their life. And like, one of the th- and like uh, you know it, it's just been a different environment for them. And I and I think it's been really really nice. And like um, I was kind of talking to, to one of them and I said, look, I. I, I just just for clarity, like because because we've been helping them and people from the church just showed up with stuff. I said, do you know why those people showed up with stuff? Because oh, they're nice people. I'm like, yeah, they love Jesus and Jesus told them to love you. That's why they're do. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's not that they hate you or they wouldn't do these. Like they are nice people. I said, but like at at the end of the day, like it's important to them to these people that came to help and that brought stuff, and it's important to me for you to know, um, like we said yes to this because we love Jesus. That's why I said, yeah. Uh, and that's why people brought stuff by because like, um, although the, the diapers are good and the meal is probably good. Like the, the change through Jesus is even better. It's the best thing I have to offer. It, the, 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 the relationship with Jesus is, is better than the marriage advice. The relationship with Jesus is better than raising your kids. And, and you do get all of that. It's, this is where it's, it's tough. Yeah. Because you can have all of that, but like I, it's it's that I wouldn't expect that number to be a hundred percent of somebody did like a clear articulation because like it tends from I think normally like you it shows up once every three months where like something just hits home and said look let, let me let's remind you let's recenter you to make sure you realize what was done here or what this means for you because people do forget and they do treat it casually and so like I, I think it comes up naturally I I think I would be I would I am surprised. To have it come as non, no, no clear articulation across all of them, because I, it's the it's the po- most powerful thing you have to offer. It's the one thing they could come out of here as better husbands and better fathers, uh, and better workers and more confident, and, and not have Jesus. And we have not done the mission of the church. And so mm-hmm. I'm not saying uh, th- this is where like some reformers would come in. Hey, look, today we're going to talk about church polity, and uh, we're going to make sure you know how dreadful of a sinner you are. And probably a pretty graphic description of how Jesus died on the cross. I'm mm-hmm. not saying that. I think that's a misrepresentation of the holistic nature of Scripture too. Um, but like, I, I would say that if 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 the good news does not have does not dominate your content, um, yeah, because yeah, I, I don't know how you now. can teach like how to raise children without the gospel. Right, this is a context. I don't know though. how to do that without Jesus. Right, right. I mean, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, and and I think that's 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 the risk. And like, it's good that people are there. But if if they're there and they don't leave with the one thing that they desperately need, even if they got a lot of other good things, um, 
then we're not we're not being the church. And so, and again, this this please have grace for how we're talking about this, and probably me specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, I've not met these guys. I don't. I'm sure they love Jesus. Um, yeah. I'm sure their church is doing a lot of really really great work. Um, but like, I think you do run the risk from a from a teaching perspective of of allowing the ends to justify the means. Um, and, and and where where we'll be faithful in the means guy and the and the means you could control is did, did I share the good news today with people who I drove drove in to hear it? I, I've kind of looked at some of this stuff over the past several years. Uh, the, the the style of preaching yeah. and, and and communicating is changed. You know, it's just not different, and so or it is different. Yeah, and, and sometimes I wonder if like sometimes they they just seem I, I'm going to misrepresent this, but they seem slick. Um, mm, yeah, they're very smooth, and I I'm not saying that in a negative way. They're just you you get done and think I'm not sure what they said, but there was really clever it was and there was some, some great tweetable it. moments, you <laughs> yeah. know. Yep. And I'm like, but I don't know what happened, you, you know. And I'm more of a bread and butter, like you know, hey, pick up your shoes, you know, whatever the th- the point is, <laughs> right. you know, like everybody knows, oh, you're supposed to pick your shoes up, <laughs> right? And, and they would have some little flowery thing about laces and yeah, flowers and you know, and, and at the time they probably said the same thing. In a different way, so I don't know if it's me as an older guy right. not communicating to this generation. No, I think that's, that's what I've asked myself. No, I think that's the risk, though. Is like if you walk away from a sermon and like there you find yourself on Tuesday going, "What was that thing that he said?" Mm-hmm. Right? There's almost a miss right there, right? Like it's almost it was like, yeah. "What was the thing that Dan said?" Uh, that was he phrased it perfectly, and like it 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 ends up that like once again if. The, the the thirty minute sermon. Some of that is a is a is a, a a cheap parlay on the pastor's account. Some of that is people won't stand for more than thirty minutes. Right. Right. A lot of a lot of dudes who love Jesus will be more than happy to talk about Jesus for hours. Uh, the congregation won't stand for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's your fault, congregation. That's like we were talking about the some of the media bias stuff. This is your fault. Yeah, you won't read a longer fault. article. You won't sit there for longer than half yep. an hour. You start getting itchy, and you're like, I got to get up. Blah blah blah. Make your point. But the thing is, is like if their whole sermon is full of quippy. You know, if, if quippy takeaways, um, that is never the Holy Spirit, right? So what we're talking about, I shouldn't say that. I, I'm not saying that their sermon doesn't have the Holy Spirit in it. What I'm saying is, like, if we're talking about um, making a, a, a good, solid marriage, the Holy Spirit has to be present in there. No, It doesn't matter how many quips people give you on Sunday of what a marriage is supposed to look like. Without the Holy Spirit in there as an intercessor, without, uh, you know, two people that are um, sub- submitting themselves uh, to the good news of Jesus Christ, that good marriage won't ever show up. It just will not make it. And so, like, the problem is, is what happens is they take the quippy stuff and then they pile it on their marriage and then never actually devote it to Christ. And they go, not only does th- this marriage suck, but Jesus didn't help me at all. Right, right, right? right I tried right. to fix it with all the quippies. <laughs> and, and it yeah. didn't actually do anything. And no one actually surrendered and gave up mm-hmm. and, and let Jesus do and let the Holy Spirit do. You know, and so I, I think that's ultimately the danger without listening to any of these sermons. And and once again, it's just a big philosophical discussion because everybody wants to say, how can I take this widget that I know will change everybody's life and get it to the masses, right? Like, And, and so everybody takes their product and goes, how do I advertise it well? You know, how do I, and, and with all the goal of making money and making it successful, and like as ambassadors of the, of the good news of Jesus Christ, we're like, we have this thing and I want people to listen to it. And so how do I get them to at least even give it a shot? And some of our churches, you know, have, have come up with this plan. And this is what they do. And maybe it is a giant room full of milk. And, like, if we can just get them to taste the milk and realize kind of what the whole thing offers, 
maybe we can get them back for the meat. You know, I, so I think that's I think that's the that's the broad point. I like that as an example. Um, is, is is if through our good intentions we say we have the good news. I just want to figure out how I can get it shared. And so I go out and I start advertising, or like maybe I get the the, the better band or the the nicer looking auditorium. But here's the thing: your goal was to share good news. So if at any point any of those mechanisms stop you from having actually communicated good news and got you into something else, like that you put a barrier unintentionally or a step between someone and good news, then I think we've missed it. I think we I think we've we've missed it. And there's it's I'm not saying there's 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 probably plenty of ways for large organizations to be able to to share good news in a massive way and they're really good at advertising and they're really good at getting people to come in and like uh they, they're they're great at, at getting visitors in and, and the supplemental programs and they're all fantastic and i'm certain there's a way to do it and that someone's probably rocking it um but like the first question is is, is that like i intended to share good news uh are, is that happening yeah right did the did the did the want for the milk when they got there Six months later, turn out to be whoa, whoa, whoa! I see you're trying to move us to the meat. We're here for the milk, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? And then, and and then you can't move because the masses won't move off the milk, right? If the masses yeah. are, are 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 controlling what direction you're allowed to speak to, even if it comes to having to speak like, hey, we're gonna have to take a break from this sermon series right now because we need to talk about X because it's what's going on in town. Maybe that's a good idea. Maybe it's wholly unnecessary. Maybe you should just stand forward on the gospel that you got. Maybe you shouldn't. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's knowing your people. But I, I think that what basically what we're summing it up to is there's an inherent risk in basically the way that you, to, to presenting Sunday morning teaching time uh, without the gospel, without the good news. There's an inherent risk because if, if it wasn't important enough for you to bring it up, then most people will take that in as it's not a big deal. And you cannot get through Paul's letters without him bringing it up. Oddly, even in places where you're like, what happened? That seemed unnecessary to hit me over the head with, but he doesn't. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, like, I. it's not of all the things the church does, it's not like the sermon is the is the be-all, end-all, but, but like, you, you have people's attention. They're sitting there listening to you speak for 30 minutes. Like, what what other important things do you have to talk about? <laughs> This is the good, the good news that Jesus has got to be in there. Now, a, a lot of things with like the, the 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 marriages and the raising kids and stuff going on in the world around you, it provides context to that message. I think that's the point, right, Dan? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that like like all those things help us to understand the gospel better because we under, we get we start to under, get relationships like Father God and like um, forgiving children like God forgives us because we would we like oh yes of course I wouldn't hold that grudge now you can start to understand where God's forgiveness comes from um, and like the brokenness of relationships and the opposite of what that is for God and our need for redemption because we look at a world that's falling like they provide the context to, good, to the good news but if you start doing all that stuff not as context but they're the main thing I think that's where the break is I think that's where stuff starts to break mm-hmm. Uh, it continues. We're on, still under the subheading, the gospel at best assumed. Okay, Most yep. of the time, it's entirely absent. In his sermon, Whatever, by Pastor D, he provides a happy exception. He mentions the doctrine of doctrine of imputation, stating that we aren't worthy of God or, and are in need of a balancing of our account. I've been a Christian for a very long time. I've never heard of the doctrine of imputation. Righteousness. You guys, you guys hear this? Yeah. Okay. I would just say, just for... Just for uh, something to know, fellow pastors, uh, <laughs> 98% of your people ain't ever going to remember that or care. The, using the phrase, we aren't worthy of God and are in need of balancing our account, 
if that's the point you want to make, I would just make that and skip the name of the doctrine because nobody cares. go ahead cares. To, the, to the definition. Yeah, yeah. Nobody cares. <laughs> Pastor D goes on to say that in the gospel we get Jesus' assets while Jesus receives our debts. That's as close to the gospel that any of these sermons gets. And even in this instance, the true things Pastor D mentions are isolated from the rest of the truths that make up the gospel message. Neither God's holy judgment, sin, nor repentance is mentioned. But yeah. here's what's even more disheartening. In his next sermon, Pastor D says the Jesus who accomplished all of this for us lays down all his divinity, conspicuously missing from his explanation of what he calls substitutionary propitiatory blood-bought salvation. I'd leave your sermon already. Yeah. You're trying to make me feel dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Is the response one must have to this message in order to be saved, which leads us to our next observation. Okay, I'm ready. Two. Repentance rarely comes across as something urgent and necessary. Instead, it's either optional or not worth mentioning at all. Repentance was mentioned only a handful of times in the sermons I listened to. Pastor, what? Hold on. Isn't, it, isn't it funny? They say the good news was hardly mentioned, but the but the repentance came up a little. Yeah. Like, what are you repenting to? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm a little bit uh, suspicious of his evaluation. Most people don't go, hey, you gotta you got to turn. you got to yeah. repent from this thing. Into what, sir? I'm not willing to speak of it. No. <laughs> Let's talk about propitiation. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, he, he likes the term. So uh, maybe he's upset that they did not say repent. But That's maybe the whole sermon was, hey, how about you change the way you're doing your marriage? Right. right. Which is repentance. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> I think we might be getting caught in the glossary. He's a glossary man. Yeah. Okay, here's what he says. Repentance was mentioned only a handful of times in the sermons I listened to. We'll call him Pastor F. Mentions repentance as a way to grow into Christian maturity. He says his daughter repented once, and she was healed from migraines because the open door the enemy had in her life had been closed by doing so. Hmm. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Pastor G, when speaking of the prodigal son, quips that the prodigal wasn't repentant, just hungry. In explaining how brokenness precedes, uh, precedes breakthroughs, Pastor G mentions repentance but doesn't explain what it means or what it looks like to actually repent. In fact, he hints that nominal Christianity, what he calls fire insurance Christianity, while not optimal, is really all you need. Yeah, I mean, this does sniff like like this This is a little bit legalistic. Yeah, um, yeah it sniffs that way a little to me. The prodigal wasn't repentant, just hungry. Yeah, I mean, that's cute. <laughs> 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 sure, sure is. <laughs> Jesus rolls out this week parable just to say, eh, you're just hungry. <laughs> I mean, his hunger did send him back home. <laughs> okay. I mean, he says, uh, I, I mean, like, so here's the question. Let's take that example. Is um, he goes to his dad and said, I've sinned against you and sinned against heaven, yeah. right? I, I mean, this feels like. Hire me. Hire me. <laughs> yeah, right. And he's, he's, he's humbled himself. He very much like the, the, what got him into this problem was arrogance and selfishness. Mm-hmm. He showed back up in such a way that lacks arrogance and selfishness. Uh, he still seems like a pretty good demonstration of repentance to me. Uh, true, and the guy that is that is uh, pointing out against that, uh, or the guy that says he's just hungry, that's the older brother, right in the field that don't want to hear nothing of it. That yeah. goes, yeah, he hasn't changed a lick of nothing. Which he's just out of money, Dad. <laughs> you know, you know what? I, and I had not noticed this before, but like, I, like I, I get it. We we tend to we tend to focus on the son and not the second one. Um, but like in the context of which Jesus tells that story on the things that are going around it, his main point is the second kid. Yeah, is is that's is, that's the main like like it, the story. If you pull the story completely out of where Jesus tells it and what he tells it around. Uh, or at least where the gospel writers put it, 
um, their intent is the focus on the second kid. Oh, I think so. I think it's because most people are the second kid. Mm-hmm. It, it's, yeah. I mean, it, it's a classic example of reading your Bible and you're like, I'm the prodigal son. I, I was wavered at a point. You know, like everyone sees themselves as the first guy, but like, I mean, you always the second dude. Yeah. Always, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's because it, it, like, uh, and you you go check it. Like, it, it always falls within teaching of which he's talking to Israel. Mm-hmm. Israel's not the prodigal here. Uh, Israel is the second second son. Going, eh. we're the Gentiles. Yeah, we're the prodigal. Yes, that's <laughs> why. Yeah, we recognize ourselves there. But like in the in Jesus's context, he's mostly telling this story when surrounded by judgment upon Israel talk. That's the prime part of the story. Anyway. I guess I, that's why that example is stupid, right? Because I didn't turn to Christianity as a Gentile heathen because I'm hungry. You know, because right. I couldn't fulfill anything else, right? Right? That is not the reason I went. You tried it on your own. It didn't work. I tried it on my own. It didn't work. <laughs> yeah. I went, boy, that farmer guy seems to got He's straightened it out, and his <laughs> other son's out there working. He eats. He yeah. eats. <laughs> I want to eat. Yeah, see, see, this is where this is where I get irritated because, like, you sacrificed a proper telling of a biblical story for a sweet crip like he was he was hungry. You're wrong, and that's fine. you're wrong. That's bad exegesus. Yeah. Uh, we're we're almost point three. Sorry. Uh, hold on. The last one was furthermore, the pastors of these churches rarely spoke like they were conscious that there were people in the building who were actively on their way to hell until they turned from their sins and trusted in Christ for salvation. Humans are never described as being in willful rebellion against God, and so sinfulness is described almost as a neutral happen- happenstance, something that ought to be corrected by this or that, but not need not be overly dulled over. So, so I, there's a couple things about that. So, I would say that again, given these, this is this is tough. This is this is what's difficult. On uh, your first century church was not talking to people who were kicking tires, just like the Chinese mm-hmm. church wasn't. Like people kick tires following Jesus around, um, and the, and even when people were giving, uh, when 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 Peter or Paul or somebody was like doing these broad speeches somewhere, there are th- that's also a context in which people like didn't know and were hearing for the first time. But if you want to think about like your your Sabbath or or Sunday gatherings, like these were intent, these were only Christians in the room. All right, so like th- th- our context is different. Where like. Our blend of when the Christians get into a room is the same building of which all the non-Christians are also invited. And so, like, it's not a really an easy balance. It's it's not a—like, it, it, it'd be almost easier if you're like, look, Christians meet at 9, the open air, everyone can come. Yeah, the tire kicker's 10.30. Yeah, it, like, 10.30 is what the sign says. Everyone mm-hmm. who goes to the church and who follows Jesus shows up at 9. Yeah. Something like that, you know, but like, but that isn't our context. And I right, would say yeah. for these guys, this most definitely isn't their context. And I would say you do have to take responsibility that you've set up your organization to be one that's super friendly to people who are interested. And if, but if you're going to do that, like, again, it goes back to the first point is that you've got to be, um, you got to give them the one thing that's worth offering. Everything else is just, just the question is whether you're a cool venue or like whether you're a good speaker. Like the thing that you're that you can offer them that that doesn't is not offered anywhere else. If you're not doing that, then you're failing them, and you bear that particular burden because no one will ever wander into my house church. But they wouldn't even know where we're at. We move. Uh, a, a few people. This has happened. Few people may wander into to, to Pathway Church in Johnson on a Sunday. Sure. Yeah. Um, but but like a thousand are going to wander into Rick Warren's church or Stephen Furtick's church or like you know like. You, and you intended for that. You sent out mailers for that. You put a billboard for that. And so, um, boy, like I would—that's a high responsibility um, and a great, great opportunity. 
And um, if, 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 if the gospel presentation is not a part of that, like, I mean, I don't know if four sermons is enough, maybe eight to 12. Well, I mean, can I listen to, <laughs> your, yes, I thought can I listen to your last years of sermons and know more about your church or know more about Jesus Christ, right? Like, if I, can, I, can I start in any place in your, last, in your preaching history start and listen from February to February and go, I've learned enough about who God is, what he's done, the active living work of the Holy Spirit, and I'm in. Or do I show up Sunday to Sunday going, I can't wait to hear the knowledge this man has on this subject. Japan. Okay, good. Marriage is down. Kids are down. How to deal with work relationships. Down, yeah, right? Yeah, like yeah. am I try, trying to fill my life with, with quippy knowledge? And yeah. if, if, I go, if I go from March to March and that's what I get, then you, you, didn't, you didn't help me, right? You made me feel better about myself. But you didn't help me. Which is, I think, what this guy's getting at is that, like, hey, if March to March, you you can, like, verifiably say, look, I'm a better person. We're giving out bigger cups of milk. But I'm not a, uh, what's not, it's not even like, uh, it's not even like gospel milk. Like, it's chocolate milk. Like, it's just like, <laughs> the, gospel, the gospel doesn't go down as sweet as chocolate milk. <laughs> like, like uh, is this a skim? <laughs> and this, it's, it's just, it's, 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 it almost feels chicken and egg. But, but again, I think it has the same theme, which is like, you should be a better husband. You should be a better father, um, as as the gospel transforms you. But like again, if we're if we're, it doesn't feel like behavior modification because we 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 moved on from the eighties and nineties, like don't do this, don't do this, to do this. But the do thises aren't necessarily biblical do thises. There'd be better person do thises, um, and so like it's still behavior modification. We just our psychology told us we should stop slapping people on the hand and we should encourage them. We should do the birthday cards. Um, but like if you're still if your primary focus is still behavior modification um, and not gospel transformation, then I think you're we're doing people a disservice. Mm-hmm. You may be helping their lives, and we may feel and it may feel positive, but like we it is a long game here, and it's a very precise one. Um, and I think we're doing a disservice. Okay. Got two more. Do you want to go through them, or do you want to, you want yeah, to hold he, this list for next week? No, just hit them hit real quick. Here we go. Number three, while the prosperity gospel is absent, its shadow lurks in the background. Okay. At least two of the churches with names had a sermon or sermons on the subject of winning. Pastor H defines winning this way, to find God's will for your life and accomplish it. What's, what's his win for this year? 100,000 social media followers so that his spiritual influence can spread. Oh, man. I, here's the deal. I can get on board with the first one. If God has a direction for your life and you submit to it, like that seems like winning. That's a win. Yeah. yeah find God's I'm in will with it. for your life and accomplish it. <laughs> Stephen had a, you know, God had a will for Stephen's life. He followed it. Yeah. I mean, again, it's as long as you, like Stephen goes winning while they're throwing rocks at him, as long as that you can maintain that prospect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're still good here. <laughs> yeah. We don't have any problem. I hope, I don't know if he gave that example. Probably not. No, no. His example was the 100,000 social media followers so that his spiritual influence can spread. Yeah. But here's the deal if, if your spiritual influence is not, if it's not, Passing on the good news, then you shouldn't have any more influence. Hey, that's I, I'm just, whatever core point. Like it continues to pervade. Uh, Pastor F go, uh, HG goes on to say in his sermon that winning is a biblical commandment. Nearly all the sermons. Thou shalt win. <laughs> shalt win. What, don't, what, don't worry about repenting. Keep, just win. Here's the deal, though. Like again, if I accept his definition, let's just say for for glory's sake, I'm, I say yeah, yeah. If following God's will for your life, uh, I'm praying that His will be done. And so again, uh, fine, fine. There's no reason to tussle over this man's word just because you think it sniffs like pop psychology. Yeah. Uh, again, it, it, as long as it sits in the right context, I can get on board with it. But that's what he said. It's more in the shadows. It was this one wasn't up front. It was like it's kind. 
kind of a little bit the prosperity gospel there, but not necessarily. You could go there. If the yeah, I suppose if the only example you gave was the hundred thousand social media likes, I mean that is the worst freaking example ever. I might <laughs> hit him with the two by four. This character, uh, it's like the worst. It plays the most shallow, basic thing of, of of which we struggle with around here on what people do. So I hate that example. But like, if you balanced it with, if you told Stephen as one example, and that one is the second, and you said, look, could be either one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. I, again, I can't get on board with that. I don't know if he selectively told that or if that's the only option. Nearly all the sermons I listened to had a decidedly cheery tone. I also heard a lot about miracles, not necessarily as an implication of a decided theological framework, but rather as a rhetorical device to justify the sermon's positive outlook on the future. Let me be clear, I don't remember a single sermon that espoused an explicit prosperity gospel. <laughs> no sowing seeds, no reaping financial harvest. But if you listened in as a visitor, it would be hard not to come away thinking that God wants you to live a happy life full of relational, mental, and emotional wins. Whether the preacher referred... I mean, say he doesn't. Uh, whether the preacher referred to winning or not, listening to these sermons could make one think that Christianity is most interested in curbing our bad habits so that we can all be better versions of ourselves. Yeah, so I think that's the, that, that's the clarification, is that if you don't, and it, it comes down to context and dictionaries, is that um, people, people who, especially who are, are either new to Christianity or don't know, don't know Christ, um, when you use language, they will take it in in their, in their own context. Right. So unless you redefine winning, unless you provide the biblical context to how we should think of what it looks like to, to, to be better people, because I, I think you could I think you could preach a notion of that. Here's what better looks like. But it's it's in humility. It's faithful service to God. And it can produce uh, the, the, the fruits of the kingdom like joy, peace uh, beyond understanding. Like these are like hope where it doesn't belong. These are all things that can come from that. But they they do require a contextual understanding of that, like what what the world calls success and what the Bible calls success are different. That's why you teach the Bible to, for a recognition of like what did it look like to succeed while dying on someone else's behalf, um, dying when someone asked you to renounce Christ and you said no. Like mm -hmm. that's success. And so like um, the risk is is that you you use phrases and words and context or, or things that otherwise I might be able to agree to, but I have to assume that you use the Bible to help people understand the context of which the Bible uses them. To the extent that you miss the context, people will digest them from a worldly perspective, uh, and then they will just follow basically follow the worldly gospel around it. And so that that th th I think that's the strongest risk is, but it takes you have to teach that you can't you can't quip phrase. The biblical context it requires someone to teach it um and and, and frankly that's like it's hard to, it's hard to do it's like if you're going to introduce what it looks like to win the question is like what does the bible mean by if you look for winners in the bible what do they look like death death sacrifice death <laughs> mm -hmm. right like right. um and it doesn't mean that you have to die but let's just be clear that when like when you think winning and when the bible says winning like these are two different things um, and you have to teach the biblical context to be able to get that. And I think if if there's a broad point to maybe what this cat is saying, um, where that lacks, people actually cannot digest it well. And that is your fault. If you know the definitions aren't the same and you ignore that, that is your fault. Number four, the use of the Bible generally fell into two categories, misuse or abuse. No, no. Every preacher utilized the Bible in one way or the other, some more than others, and others worse than some. Pastor Jay stood out as one who consistently read the entire passage he wanted to preach. Pastor Jay read most of Genesis 32 in his sermon. Uh, this original Pastor G 
said, said his church self-consciously tries to base everything they do on the Word of God. Most of the sermons had a main text of sorts, but the degree which the text was used varied. Narratives and parables were by far the preferred genre, and the move from text to application was usually hasty and direct. I mean, Jesus taught narratives and parables, so, like, again, you got to be careful. Uh, and this is coming from, like, I te- I, I've never done a topical sermon. Well, it's been a long time. Um, I'm all, I'm always teaching a passage passage. Um, but like Jesus taught in parables and narratives, and so like it's not like Jesus only took the Torah around and whipped out the scroll and goes, "All right, Isaiah time, sit and be learned." Like it's how people connect with things. It's totally fine to, to tell parables mm-hmm. and narratives. Like so, you got to be careful with that. But like, again, all that should serve the true thing that you're that the Bible is trying to communicate. Like that's the that's the thing. It all should still be in service of the core thing that you want to communicate. The, the point wasn't to tell a, tell a story, right? The point was it it allows people to entrance into a story, into a biblical concept or text or point that they may have not gotten or been able to connect with. That's why you told the story. I just happen to be bad at it. And some people are really, really awesome at it. And it really illuminates things and they connect back. Um, some people, and, and these, some of these folks, these pastors are like this, because uh, I have listened to a few of them that were in the list, like some of them are really good at telling stories, but I don't know why they told me that story in the context of the yeah. Bible thing there. They're like, boy, that's a really great story. I know nothing else about Jesus or Yahweh or sin or anything about, I don't know why he told that story, but they're really good at it. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, again, it's, the question is, is everything you're doing in service of the good news um, or does it, does it, is it stand on its own? Where it stands on its own, it's not creating value. It still has to be in service of the thing we're here to do, to talk about, to whatever. What was, hold on. I'm not going to bring up any more of these if you're going to keep elaborating that long. Sorry. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm serious. He's going to go through an example of how the Bible was used, and you're going to get all spurned up about no, it, no, and we're no. running out of time. I'll leave this one to Dan. <laughs> Take, for example, this man's sermon. One day at a time, Luke 2 is his main text. He uses the passage to make the following point. Since it took Jesus one day at a time to become who he was, we should expect the same. Author, another guy, said Rahab's story is a lesson that no matter what happened in 2019, you can be a winner in 2020. Last dude compares the Old Testament law to things we in the present can't break through. He uses Jacob wrestling with God as an opportunity to ask his listeners about the areas they were currently wrestling through. In still another sermon, this one man makes a hermeneutic move that is a paradigmatic for the rest of the sermons I heard. He directly applies promises given to Jehoshaphat and David, assuring them of military victory, to modern hearers. The application skips past the Bible storyline of fulfillment in Christ and moves directly to psychologized, anecdotal advice. How do you feel about that, Dan? Well, here, here's the deal. You, you, <laughs> you make everybody feel better about themselves and, and feel good about tomorrow and, and, and improve their life, but you're not saving them. You're saving their marriage, but not saving their eternal soul. You've lost something. I yes. mean, I think there's a place for both. Some of this stuff isn't awful if it's just like a tiny, tiny part of the message. But right. if you're missing the point of yes. of how God moves in people's lives and in history, and how all many of these stories led to Jesus, that you're missing, you're missing it, you right? Know? And Jesus was the fulfillment of almost everything they just talked about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. I mean, those weren't just random stories by random people. They were they were part of a of a of a, a, a journey. From Abraham to the Messiah, and and right, actually, it it can mislead you into thinking that the fulfillment is you, 
Yeah. Right? You are yeah. the fulfillment of all these promises. Well, I'm just like Jehovah. <laughs> <laughs> just like whoever he was. <laughs> I'm glad we talked about this, Dan. I have nothing more to add here. It's fairly uncomplicated, I'd say. <laughs> Jesus took one step at a time. <laughs> you should take one step at a time. <laughs> Jesus was a little baby. <laughs> this is stupid. Simply <laughs> 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 put, in these sermons, men mostly mishandle the Bible. It's referenced, not re- revered, alluded to, not explained, sat across from, not under. When biblical stories are there, they're commonly being co-opted into the vocabulary of whatever else the preacher is trying to say about winning or breaking through or whatever. <laughs> the words on the page rarely speak for themselves. I, I could probably agree with that. I mean, it needs, here's the thing. The Bible, I, I, I think pretty consistently God has recognized and, and gifted people to teach Scripture. Like he recognizes, like we go, we go, hey, you, you all should read it every day. And people are reading it every day to going, I, I'm not catching all of this. Like it needs, it needs taught. And I think that's great. Uh, yeah, but you do have to teach it. Well, you have to teach it. They're there for you to teach that. Uh, to the extent that everything you're doing isn't in service to that, then I think Dan's right, you're failing them. In conclusion, the point of this project is to poke fun at these churches or indict their motivations. God alone knows the heart, and we are left simply to evaluate based on what's observable. Uh, from a nose-up-in-the-air-and-very-small-glasses standpoint, <laughs> dude. The point of this project is to provide a snapshot of what a large percentage of American churchgoers might hear when they darken the doors of a church building on Sunday morning. We assume that because such preaching is popular in large churches, it's often aspirational in smaller churches. My main takeaway, I believe, is to soberly reflect on the sermons we give and the sermons we listen to week in and week out. May God grant us and our churches mercy to clearly proclaim the gospel, edify the saints, and invite unbelievers into the, great, the greatest joy imaginable, life with God in Christ. Okay, he, he really falls apart at the end there, I think. He, he's assuming because of these top however many churches it was are, are doing this. Every church is doing it. Percentage-wise, I mean, just, just numbers-wise, there's way more people in small churches than yeah. big churches. Big churches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, we, uh, and like you said earlier, we speak differently in small churches. I mean, we, we speak into the lives of people because we actually know their lives, right. and we know them by name, and, and it, it's... So no, no, we don't do this because we'd be laughed at. Yeah, right. Yeah, they wouldn't put up with this. <laughs> and, yeah, in fact, the comment box would be super full. You don't get text; you get handwritten notes from Edna, who goes, "I don't know what's going on." Dan. What do you mean one step at a time? <laughs> I've been stepping for ninety years. <laughs> That's, right. That's right, and my ankles hurt. <laughs> I got the sciatica. <laughs> yeah, he falls apart at the end there, saying that. See, see, so it's for everybody because these are what the cool, cool kids are doing. So you're all doing it. I know it. You're I not like me. I'm smart. I think that, like, like obviously, I'm the I'm the only non-pastor of the group, you know. And so, like, at the end of the day, I believe I, I'm not saying that. Like, the idea was pretty good, actually. Like, take us. What are we actually preaching for the gospel? If I yeah. was to say, people are trying to find it and say, "What do I need to know about Jesus?" These eight podcasts are going to show up, and these churches are what's going on, you know. And be like, I want to know what other people are hearing about Jesus, and so let's figure it out. And so it was a cool idea. Um, it reads to me as being uh, arrogant, right? Like these guys, here's the thing. I don't know any of these pastors. I know a couple of them. I've heard of a couple of them, less than you guys have probably heard of them, right? But like I have I have waded into the pool of assuming things about people that I don't know that I will never do again. I have no idea if Pastor H on this list, I mean literally spends two hours in the morning on his face praying 
right? And these are the sermons that, that, that God has laid upon his heart, and he's being completely faithful with them. And I show up as an outside observer and go, well, this doesn't sniff enough like Paul. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. who do I think I am? Now, there's obvious things that I, we can't get on board with, right? There are very closed-handed issues that obviously we just cannot... Uh, the, the presence of the gospel in your sermons, especially, I mean, this is just putting two thoughts together, right? If you're going to have a church that is welcoming to all visitors and that's your goal is to bring people in, uh, you can't leave them there, okay? You know better than that. You're a smart guy. Look, you can't just leave them there with quippy things. You got to get them the gospel because that's what does the changes. And so maybe you're in the process of figuring that out. Maybe they're in the process of, of going like six months down the road, they're going to have a deacon's meeting and they're going to go, look, man, we got everybody on milk still. We 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 missed it. We got to mm-hmm. figure out what to do. Yeah. You know, like there could be completely Jesus loving folks back here trying to figure this thing out. And so it's it makes it really hard to pop your head in and go, here's what you guys, you know, you don't do enough hermeneutics or whatever that guy's saying. <laughs> I don't care about. You know what I'm saying? Like, but then on the other hand, yeah. you want a decent sampling of what you know. The American church slides to a certain direction. We are elevated in the Bible, even though we are not mentioned. <laughs> you know, we are to avoid all suffering, even though everyone in the Bible has to go through suffering, right? And and it's all about the we're very individualistic the way that we take in the word. And if we are preaching that, we're not helping. And so, like, I think instead of a finger wag to like nine churches, we could all huddle together as 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 God's big C church and go. Just make sure we're not leaning here. You know, make sure we're not leaning in this direction. Like, fellas, let's 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 re-humble ourselves and look and see where we're at. And what's working at your place? <laughs> you know, how do you get people off the milk? Because I figured out how to get them there, but I can't get nobody to take the meat. So what what do you guys got? You know, that I would be a lot more accepting I would, of. I would love to hear. Um, I would love to hear some some of those guys talk about that. Like, it'd be super mm-hmm. interested. And like, you can have yeah, like, I mean, it's okay. You can just we can disagree on some of this. So some of this is method stuff, and like, it's okay to disagree. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, it would be. I remember Damascus did an interview with um, Householder um, at the big, mm-hmm. you know, like in, I, I, church differences. Like the, the, the Mike Householder is as the biggest church in the state, maybe the Midwest. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and um, and he was talking to him, and like I found it, I, it was a very cool interview. And it was one of those things where, like, if you don't listen to a guy, um, your context of goal oh, he's got a giant church, and they probably X Y Z things that I think are probably going on there. Like, you wouldn't know. Like, um, and I remember after listening to that interview, um, it, it it reaffirmed the thought that like it's a man trying to follow Jesus, and like they're trying to do the best they can. And like when God sends people, what are you going to do? Say no? I don't want people. Right, uh, right, and like that's why if you've ever heard, uh, I did. Dan and I did an interview once where we were talking about kind of our our house church, and there was another interview that I'd done with somebody else. And like, I will always talk about it as as risks, not problems. They're just risks they have. There's risks that we run in a house church. There's risks that Dan's run for the size of church he has, and there's there's a different set of risks that come with guy a guy who's who's trying to pastor a five thousand or a ten thousand person church. They're they're risks. They don't. They don't mean that you cannot be successful gospel proclaimers, but like um, our, our risk is we, people won't just show up. If we're not actively inviting people in and treating your dinner table as the front door, the church will not grow and you will become insular and it will be easy to do so. And so you have to be very mindful of the risk. It's true for small churches in general. It's, it's, it's double that for a house church because people can't even wander in if they want to. If, if if you've got five ten thousand people, if you're any of the guys that are on this list trying to lead a church, like you've created such a good infrastructure that people are excited to come check it out. The risk you run is that 
you end up in some way or another being in service of their of their um, being there more so than in the service of what you wanted to bring them there for. You 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 let their reactions start to dictate, and it's hard because you don't want to chase them away because you have a heart for Jesus and for people, and you're like, boy, if I just start with this thing, the 5,000 people that showed up today for the first time, heck, man, I think only 500 would come back if I if I nailed that. And, like, I mean, here's the thing. From my very limited context, I would be like, sorry, man, not your problem. You only have one job. <laughs> this is the only <laughs> thing you have to offer. But, like, these, these, I'm sure these guys have gone through this very thing. Rick, take Rick Warren, right? Rick Warren, I'm sure, has faced this this particular question forever. Mm-hmm. What do I, what do I do here? This is a, like for all by all evidence, this is a faithful man, right? Who has to go? Uh, look, I got I got two thousand people show up fresh every week. What am I going to teach them? I, it's something that that causes them to come back next week. Now, here's the th- the, the the length of hey, if I just keep them here. Like when, when do you transition? That, that that's the thing that that yeah. I can never get on board with. Is it like like at what point am I going to flip them? They're going to be year in. They're going to be two years in. All of a sudden, it feels like you put the pressure on them for something. Like they might as well know what they're walking into to the extent that they reasonably can. Jesus didn't just like hit absolutely everybody with every theological thing. The lady at the well has no idea uh, of propitiation. It hadn't even occurred yet. And Jesus' interaction with her, like she's still, she's still, he, he still, she still got the gospel. She still got the, hey man, you're basically gonna humbly recognize that you need me, uh, and that you need help, and that you need rescue, and that I'm the one to offer it. She, th- she still basically got that. Um, but like, it, it doesn't mean that you have to hit them with everything at once. It doesn't mean when they walk in, you hand them three commentaries on James and say, this is what we're looking at. Like, mm-hmm. nobody is saying that. Well, some some guys are saying that. I think well, it's not worth saying at all. But like. Um, I, I just you gotta just know where, what your risks are, and like here's the thing: any given group of churches in any given um, uh, population range or demographic, are, somebody's losing to the risks. They just are. I I know house churches that are super insular that have totally not guarded themselves well, um, and and they've not seen a new person walk in, or their people aren't sharing the gospel with other people and having them go to other churches because I don't particularly care about that. You don't have to come to my place. You can go come, you can come every day for all I care. <laughs> as long as the gospel's being preached, as long as you end up with a good, in a good community of people, I don't care where you go. But like, um, it's worse, it's how sexed sex happen mm-hmm. like people get they, they like the smell of their own stuff and, right. and, and they get in so, so like and i've totally met people i've totally met people in house churches that have acted like that and it's because they didn't call the risks outright and so th- that's 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 generally why i will talk about it that way because i think that's a fair way to say look it, that's the risk and like if, if 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 by listening to four sermons from any given these guys and said hey look uh um Hey, look, Rick Warren, I just listened to your last four weeks worth of sermons, and I didn't really hear a clear gospel presentation. Rick Warren might go, you know, I haven't looked at it by that lens in a while. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I'm gonna, I, I, I'm, and, and maybe something changes for the guy. What a great reaction. A totally successful dude who doesn't need my advice for anything. <laughs> right. But, like, I'm not sure that if, it's, if, if I'm him and he sees something like this, he goes, you know, I, uh, I just hadn't been looking at it that, in that way or think, rethinking about that. Thanks for the reminder, and it, it probably doesn't change everything he does, but it's probably just another filter that goes into what, what he what he's doing. I think there's a healthy way to go about this. I think the, the most negative reaction has to assume a lot about this guy's intent. Um, it has to assume a lot about his theological background. He used a lot of big words, trying to make me feel dumb. Uh, it's man. because his theological background. It's because the website that you, that it's coming from. They're just that's just how they talk. 
Um, I don't like it. <laughs> so, like, right, here's the thing: is you just said that about Rick Warren, and I puffed up on Rick Warren's behalf. I'm like, oh, well, I just watched 13 people die this week, and prayed with six other dudes. This is what I'm and saying, and then baptized 14 people. I'm right. sorry, my gospel message didn't get to you. That's and what I'm saying, <laughs> and that's that's one of the big things about the context of of listening to a guy's sermon from afar. Is right. that like um, it's again? That I'm not comfortable with the timing. Like you, you go, you go three months or four months, and maybe we have this conversation a little bit differently. Yeah. You guys ever do a sermon series like a whole month where you're like, boy, it's just been a stinker. Boy, I just this is not my best work. <laughs> You know, and you're like, I hope someone doesn't listen to that and then think my whole church doesn't know the gospel. Ben says, no, because I only read out of the Bible. I don't do topical I'm sermons. telling you. I just, I've, I've had, I've, I've totally, just like everybody else, I've totally had days where like, I let the Lord down. I've not, I've not done a good enough service to the text. But at the end of the day, I always fall asleep with the comfort that said, look, I read the text. I explained what it, what it was intending to say. Yeah. I taught it in context. It can't. It cannot be that much of a stinker because the Bible carried the day. Where where I fail, God's word always succeeds. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it's totally a cop out. But like, I just cannot fail that bad because I taught the scripture. <laughs> what a great gig! Man. <laughs> At worst, you've gig. got the holy written word of God. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. And which is At what? best, God revealed me something to tell you. <laughs> which, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say another uh, angle at this too is. One thing I learned uh, when I was kind of in the underbelly of, of a mega church in Colorado for a number of years uh, in, in meetings with the guys is that I, I used to think that like the bigger the church, the more the guy spent time on his sermon, right? Mm-hmm. It's like they got like nothing. They are in meetings literally all day long, all day and all night with people, oh. staff, leaders, yeah. ministry teams. I mean, they I don't know how they get sermons done. So yeah. it's not like they're generally not the deep theological guy, right? I mean, uh, yeah. it's it, because they just don't have the time. They're that they're just like, got that done, off to my next meeting, you know, and 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 uh, it, it's amazing. That's why they usually have teams that that collaborate on, yep. on these messages. But um, yeah, it's 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 not at all what we always think. Of. <laughs> right, I right. Mean, it, it's yeah. You would think great, like ten thousand people. That's a heck of a responsibility. I'm probably in forty five forty five hours a week yeah. working on the sermon. Right, I right. talk in front of these people. It's it a big tells deal. you. Now it does tell you how good of speakers some of these guys are. Yeah, I mean they are they're fantastic. Just <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a there's a great talent to some of these guys. Um, I just I just I just want the gospel in there. I just I th- want it in there. <laughs> That's the thing. Is like uh, I I don't actually have a problem with mega churches except for one where I think that it is an it is a foolhardy expedition to make to have the lead pastor run the teaching and the business. I think that's just foolish. Mm-hmm. We talked about that once. I wish I could find that episode. So we talked about, like, why would you do it? And I think that's where we ended up. Is it like, hey, just separate it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let yeah. somebody else run the stuff. I don't think there's mm-hmm. any da- – I don't, I don't see the danger in it. In fact, I see a lot of the danger – a lot of the risks removed, yeah. right? The same guy that's got to lead the message is not also in charge of keeping the lights on. And, and, like, that's the thing. He'll pull punches, right? Look, man, if our attendance isn't at least 4,700, we can't pay the heating bill. And he's like, oh, boy. Okay, well, let's take a little bit of the repentance stuff out. We need Bill to come back. <laughs> oh, man. I heard that on uh, – what was I listening to? I was listening to some podcast, and they were talking about uh, – someone Someone had, had written in some kind of question, and um, it was a difficult oh, – it was what happened to Ananias and Sapphira. Um, and, like, this, doesn't this seem like we were just told about Jesus' rescue of the world and, like, grace and, and his business, and all of a sudden, like – it doesn't say God killed them, but like I mean, it gives every impression that like they they certainly died in, 
in some quick way. <laughs> right. Um, and it would ask about this. And like the guys, the, the, the guy provided an answer to the question. I didn't think it was particularly satisfactory. <laughs> and then, but they were talking. It was like, well, that's just not the type of thing you teach on this type of day. Certainly not when the visitors are coming, blah, blah, blah. And like, I, this is not unreasonable to like, again, consider who's coming in. Um, but like, it was one of those things where, like, I mean, if it was next in the passage, it's next in the passage. <laughs> We're teaching through the thing. Like, uh, I don't really care who's in the room. Uh, but it was it was just the, the concept of saying, look, I wonder who will hear this and how they will take it in, which is not unreasonable. But, like, the question is, are, is does this, could this story point me to the character of God? Can I Is the gospel in here? And I think the answer is, I haven't run into a biblical passage yet where I'm like, the gospel's not in here. It's always there. Uh, mm-hmm. And I frankly think that's a, that's a skill set. You figure yeah. out how, figure out how to teach the gospel, just like just like everybody that you read about in the New Testament was teaching the gospel from the old, mm-hmm. uh, which we couldn't do to save our lives, most of us. And so, like, like that. If you want a skill, do that. Figure out how to say, look, the gospel's in here. The God, and, and because that's that same thing uh, d- drops out or like shows up in every life situation that the pastor gets called into. Hey, so and so's sick at the hospital. Where's the gospel in this? So-and-so's son took their own life. Where's the gospel in this? Like, I, the, the world is freaking me out, and there's scary things going on. Where's the gospel in this? Like, that's the Christian's job. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, if as a pastor we're, we're not leading in that, to be able to, to, to connect the gospel story, the good news of Jesus, to all the other things that we have to walk into on a daily basis, then I think we are failing people. I think it's a fail. Yeah. Ready? One, I think we got time for one. Dan, you know Dan went on and on about this thing. I just couldn't stop. <laughs> yeah, remind me not to do that again. <laughs> Holy cow! <laughs> it's like going to workshop for like a, like like I have to sit through a thirty hour OSHA refresher course this week. This is what it's like. It's because I'm talking about both y'all's jobs. And you're like, Here's another thing. I don't know. I'm like, what is it's, going on? Hold on. You should hold on. Now that I think about this, this is a lesson for you for next time. Things to avoid. First of all, if you if you're reading an article that I recommended. And that I didn't read, because at least when I'm reading it, I tend to curtail what I'm talking about in attempt to lazy attempt to facilitate conversation until the end. And then I'll come up with some sort of synopsis and (laughs) close down the thing. And in this format, I got your mental notepad. So everything that you took a notice of, you're like, and another thing. That's right. As you're talking, more things are occurring to me, as opposed to me having to try to keep track of where we're at and who's saying what. And so like on the other side of the interview stand, I'm awful. I'm even worse. <laughs> anyway, just a heads up. <laughs> Something to consider. Here we go. Okay. I'm going to find some worship leader stuff and youth group things to talk about. <laughs> I'll go on a rant myself. <laughs> Dear Life from the Path, my husband and I have been married for 30 years. Mm-hmm. He has always been self-centered. We have discussed this over the years, and it hasn't changed. So it's a his, good relationship. <laughs> it hasn't changed his disposition. I bought him an It's All About Me coffee cup years ago as a joke, and he loves it. We both have office jobs and day-to-day issues and problems with our employees and coworkers. If we talk on a phone at lunch or over dinner, he describes his daily issues in excruciating detail, looking for my feedback input, and then moves on. There's never a time I can update him on my issues and get his input to help with mine because he's too busy thinking about his. He cares deeply about our adult children, but he doesn't give them input on their issues either. If I don't remind him about the challenges, i.e. buying a new car, looking for a new job, whatever, uh, they want our advice on, he would never reach out to them at all. I'm not sure if this is a personality trait I must live with or if you have some ideas to improve this situation. All about him. Yeah, I have no ideas. You've gone 30 years with this cat. Yeah. I think he's, yep. Yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, I think you're probably just in one of those phases where you're irritated with him. You'll get over it soon. And So that's just him. I'll get him a new mug. 
I'm, mean, just, I'm trying to think of why this guy is the way he is. Like, how can you be with a guy for 30 years that's completely self-centered? This we're, way? we're all like that. I, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, is there any chance that like he just doesn't? It doesn't occur to him that you that that people want his advice on stuff. There's like if they wanted my advice, they'd call. Yeah. Or they'd ask. Well, I can no, see that. She doesn't want his advice. She just wants him to listen to her. Yeah, but she's saying it in a in a in a, a weird way that he's he's, yeah. he's deft. Is what he's an idiot. Here's right. the thing: is like he's just a regular dummy man, <laughs> uh, and 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 he gets he doesn't know what else to say. And unless you ask him a question, he probably ain't going to answer a question you didn't ask. He's not going to assume that you want to ask something because he's a, he's a dummy. And then he to fill the space, he talks about the things he knows, which is whatever's <laughs> going on at his place. And then like, hey, the kids haven't called, or the kids are thinking about buying a new car or whatever. And he's like, oh, well, they haven't mentioned that to me. And then he doesn't think any more about it because they never call them to ask him what kind of car they should get. And so he, it could be he's completely self-centered. I'm not saying that's off the table. Yeah. Um, he could also just be a little daft. I mean, you know, some people you have to... I'm one of these people. You have to engage them. Otherwise, they don't know what's going on. They assume everything's fine only to find out everything is horrible. Right. Right? They just go through life looking at the clouds going, man, this is what a day. This is great. And it turns out that, like, the, everybody's house is on fire and no one called them. And he sees smoke and go, man, I guess they must be having some kind of fire over Ben's house. <laughs> Off I go. You know, no one called me and told me there was a fire, so I had no reason for concern. <laughs> you know, it's, it's that kind of thing. And yeah. so, like, I, I really don't want to give this guy any rope, but I, he reads a lot like like a guy I know named Mike who, who, I mean, may just have no idea that things are so bad. And then he hears it and goes, I had no idea. Crap, I got to do better. And then right. we'll try his hardest to do better and still suck. <laughs> yeah, you know you know what's interesting about, um, maybe a good call out here, is that like it's okay for people to have a different personality than you. Like, let's say the wife is the type of person who's like constantly keeping up with their kids and with their family and whatever, and like they're calling her for advice all the time. It's okay that that's not happening with the dad. Like, I think it's all right. You don't have to, like, uh, in fact, I, like, I, this has been pretty true even even with people I've known or even within family. Like, some people are really good. Like, they're the type of personality where, like, hey, they just call up a check on you because they do. And then, like, their spouse or whatever never would never do that. And I don't think anything mm -hmm. of it. Yeah. I don't think, oh, well, that person's a jerk. Why wouldn't they call? And, like, and I, I know this because, like, I'm one of the guys, like, I really stink at following up with, like, just checking in on, 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 on family members or whatever. Like I might, I might neglect to call my grandfather like maybe twice a year I'll do it. Uh, and I know that it really irritates my mother, which, which I would call him way more often. But like mom talks to him once every two or three days. And like, mm. could I do better? Yeah, I probably should. Uh, but like the fact that you do, it doesn't mean, it doesn't, right, it doesn't mean someone else said, right? Like, uh, it, it doesn't mean it's the same thing for, for everybody. And like, people's relationships with people are different. And as long as there's not an L, I, I guess I'm ch checking is like, is there, are we sure there's not an element of that going on there? Like, oh, hey. In fact, for, our friend Pants, the guy who does the, he's, he's the guy who speaks the opening. He's awesome at this. He will check on people and follow up. When I was sick, he, I heard from him every day. Hey, he ben, calls our grandpa. Yeah, he, he calls, calls my <laughs> grandpa more than I call my yes, grandpa. Yes, he does. Oh, he's, man. He's really good at it. Um, because, like, that's just totally, it's his vibe. It's, he's really good at yeah, that type yeah. of thing. And I think that's okay. And it doesn't mean I, don't, I, I can't strive to be better. But, like, I also don't know that it has to be like, well, everybody should call Ben's grandpa right. 10 times a week. Like, I, is that like, he's so lonely because you didn't call? Like, Pants called him. <laughs> my, my, my mom called him. I, like, I, I, again, I, I should call him more. I'm with you. I, but, but like, I, I just, I think we got to be careful at, like, um, just making sure you don't imprint your personality yeah. and what you value on top of other other people. 
That's I think it's just a risk you run. Crap. I just did that to one of my kids today. You phrased that well. Now I feel bad. All right. What do you mean? Tell me. What did you do? Uh, I, I, nothing. They would. I, I. I. You know. I, I barely yell at the girls. And like when I have to, I feel real bad about it after it's all said and done. You know. And so like I did it today. Like I. Uh, my daughter had been considering. Uh, I started teaching them guitar like, yeah. last year, right? And took on a couple kids from their school, you know, because I thought, well, I'm already teaching her. We just as well take on these other kids. And I'm like, I don't charge them or nothing. We just hang around and learn to play guitar. So this year I decided, look, uh, if we're going to, because, you know, we were going to start getting it back since the school came back around. And, and uh, I said, look, we're, we're going to get a book. So I got something to help you through, you know. So the book comes in and I, I say, hey, man, look through like the first, whatever, six, seven pages of this and, and have a look at it, you know. And then, uh, you know, she starts doing it, and then, and then, and then I hear some crying and whatever. I'm like, "What is going on?" So I come in and like, like I, I just, I don't understand this. And I go, "All right, well, you know, let, let me read it back to you, and we'll figure out what's what." Long story short, we get like five, ten minutes. She's like, she's like, "I don't want to play guitar no more." I'm like, "What? We just talked about this <laughs> like last week when I ordered this book, right? When we got the guitar, like you had every opportunity to tell me that you weren't didn't want to do this anymore." And and she's like, "Well." I just I've lost interest. I'm like, nope, nope, nope. You're quitting because it's hard. That's what you're doing. You fact like your, her finger hurts. She hasn't played guitar in six months, right? That her tip of her finger hurts from trying to push the string down. Right. Yeah, right. and so she's, she she don't want to do it. I'm like, you know, you're not quitting just because something came up hard. Uh, you can find me something else that's hard to do, and if you want to do that, that's great. But until you find me an alternative for something that's hard, I think you're quitting because it's hard, and that's a big no. You cannot quit. Nope. Sorry, done. And I, I go and I leave the room and I sit down at my desk. I'm like, ha! Ah. <laughs> and then I hear like small whimpering from there. I'm like, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fold here. And like the, the truth of the matter is, is like, I, my kids know if there's anything about me, you can't, you don't get to quit because something's hard. You can quit for all kinds of reasons, but never because it's too hard for you yeah. or it hurts. These are not good reasons to quit, right? Yeah. And so like. I don't know whether she has a track record of doing this or not. I knew in the two minutes I was talking to her, I was sure that she had, and we were going to stick this course, you know? And so, like, just you saying that goes, well, my personality is, look, you can quit for all kinds of logical reasons, but never because you're too tired, it's it hurts, or, you know, you just don't want to. These are not valuable reasons to quit. So, anyway, uh, I don't know if that's her run of life or not, but it is mine, and I certainly made it so today. So I thought, <laughs> well, crap, I... I I don't know that I I don't know that I owe her an apology, but I do need I, I do need a better explanation than what I did, right? Like I sure. I did it in a real pretty abrupt, not right. a very classy way. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? So anyway, that's why I said crap. Gotcha. gotcha. <laughs> uh, okay, so secular says uh, her her question really was uh, I'm not sure if this is a personality trait I must live with, or if you have some ideas to improve this situation. The guy's a selfish boob. That's what what she's getting at. Secular says. Has it occurred to you that in some areas your husband may be less self-centered than an empty vessel? He may not help you with your daily issues because he doesn't have the answers. Mm -hmm. Assuming you have talked to him about this until you are blue in the face, the next time he asks for your input, you might consider being less helpful. Or beat him, wow. Or beat him to the punch and tell him about your problems before he has a chance to tell you the ones he is having. Our advice is to be less helpful when he asks, is to lower yourself to his empty vessel standards. That's what we're saying. Hey, the next time he calls... Don't don't be honest with him. Don't give him the full counsel. Give him <laughs> crappy counsel like you get from him. Uh, Good one. <laughs> as, like to, <laughs> as to your adult children, they should go directly to their father when they seek his advice. Continue to approach him until they get it. I, that was. Ter- I mean, well, I, I, I grant that we weren't very helpful, uh, but I, hers was worse. Hers was like negative. Hers mm-hmm. made the situation worse. 
I, I, I mean, Wheatley said, oh, "You're gonna have to put up with what you got." <laughs> <laughs> it feels like 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 every answer has to have some kind of half compromise here, and so and 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 I, I, without knowing the guy, you don't know whether this is true or not. He he literally could just be. Uh, He's, he's not outgoing. He doesn't think much of himself, so he doesn't offer a whole lot of his own opinions. Uh-huh. Right? Like, And here's the thing. is like, Especially if you've married a smart, uh, well-motivated woman, there's not a whole lot to add. You're a support vessel. Right? The, the, the five minutes you've spent thinking about whatever thing, she's already spent three days and thought through it and has a, a well-informed opinion. And your, your job is to go, well, financially, yes, we can do that. Or, absolutely, I'd be there to support your idea is not to talk her out of it or try to come up with some newfangled wizard plan because you're only going to put five minutes of time in there. Right. And she already knows. So, like, there's there's some some of this is is possibly a wife that goes, look, I want uh, my husband to actively think and invest in all the things that I think and invest in. That's probably not going to happen. He's probably not as equipped as you to do it. He probably doesn't have the heart for it. And he's probably not as good at it, especially when it comes to stay relationship stuff or dealing with his children apart from, hey... What do you think of the new Taurus? <laughs> right. You know, but if they want to ask him that, they should ask. They him should, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. They shouldn't call you and go, "Well, I'd call Dad. Maybe I'll call Dad. We'll see." And then they never call. And then you're mad at your husband. Be like, "Did you ever call the kids about the Taurus? They didn't call me about no Taurus. Right. I don't know what you're talking about." <laughs> you know. And so, like, there's no reason for him to think about things he knows nothing about. <laughs> so, not to, once again, not to give him too much uh, weight off his shoulders, but like. You have to be real careful about, you know, impregnating the things that you are and all the things that define you and then looking at your spouse and going, you're not all those things. You're terrible. I mean, really, it's, it's, it's probably not as true as you think it is. And he could be a completely selfish boob. I don't know. Yeah. That's it. Okay. Hey, you've been listening to Live from the Path. Hey, thanks for hanging out with us tonight. I really do appreciate it. You made it the whole way. Congratulations. There will be a nice surprise underneath your pillow tonight. Yeah. Hopefully the, the doctrine of in, imputation, imputation, yeah. which I'm real concerned with. Hey, so here's the deal. Let's say you have comments on the show. You say, look, you guys went to, uh, I don't appreciate this uh, lambastedness. Maybe you're Stephen Furtick and you heard the show and you said, hey, man, I preach the word. I don't know why you guys misrepresent what I'm doing. Maybe you know Rick Warren. I'm a winner. And he's heard about it and he's very upset and you want to make sure we know. That's great. That's what the complaint line is for. 515-517-0085. We didn't write the article. <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah, but we, we, we react to it, to it. And, and frankly, uh-huh. Rick got me riled. Okay. Uh, that's 515-517-0085. Let us know uh, what you think of the show, uh, what you think of, uh, I don't know, our take on the article, our bad advice, uh, or whether you've tried that new uh, Impossible Whopper at the, at, the, at the Burger King. Or the Wendy's breakfast. Anybody try breakfast at the Wendy's? No. No. It's not bad. No. I stopped there twice. I was on my way out of town uh, just over the weekend. I had a reason to, to hit it up a couple times. I don't love it, but it's all right. It's hey, worth a shot. Hey, man, speaking of the weekend, uh, Buva got married over yeah. this weekend. Yeah. So congratulations to uh, to, to Buva and his wife, Gianna. Uh, yeah, it, it was a cool wedding. It, it was uh, it was full of, uh, it was full of, the gospel was taught there. Yeah. In its full, in its full realm. And so uh, it, it was very cool, um, and it was very cool to see Buva and Gianna get married, and, and congratulations to both of them. It was, it was pretty awesome. Yeah, 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 no doubt. Uh, oh yeah, hey, hey! If you want to tell Buva congratulations, we can pass that on. It, it, it called do the complaint line. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a phone or text five one five five one seven zero zero eight five. Okay, that's it. Oh, we appreciate you hanging out with us this week. Um, wait, if you haven't uh, heard the show, uh, we are three shows behind. I'm gonna work on that this week. Get us all caught up so you got stuff to listen to. And we hope to be back with you next week. In the meantime, be faithful in the means. God will handle the ends. You've been listening to live from the path. <laughs>